Okay, uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be recording these like we normally do with uh, original Bible studies, so uh, if you miss a week, we're going to be posting them to our podcast channel. Um, so if you miss a week, or if you happen to miss a topic that you really were interested in, uh, in the list of topics that we're going to do, you'll be able to go and listen to the discussion and the presentation on the, on the uh, podcast. So uh, and the, link, the link for the podcast you can find on the homepage of our website. So... Now that's where we post also the sermons from services as well. So you'll have to scroll down, but I'll let you know um, the titles. He's probably going to be the title of the Bible study, so living as a faithful disciple today, colon, whatever specific topic we're covering. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> today we're not going to get into the specific topics that were given yet, because the idea of living as a disciple is a tricky topic because... The words disciple and discipleship are thrown around so much, they mean different things to different people. And so before we start examining how to be a disciple in specific situations, we're going to look to the scriptures to maybe correct some misconceptions we might have about what it really means to be a disciple. So um, I'm going to be having you discussing in groups. So if you're sitting at a table with three people or less, you're going to have to join with another table um, because we're going to be doing some group discussion. So... Um, the first discussion, I want specifically for you not to use your Bibles. You can use scripture that you have in your mind regarding discipleship, but that's it. And I want you to discuss with your people what a disciple is and what you think discipleship is, just based on what you currently know. Okay, And then we're going to go through the scriptures and look at what the Bible says about those things. And we'll see if maybe we need to change the way we do a few things when it comes to being disciples. Because where do we get our authority? From God's Word, right? So um, so I'll give you guys about 15 to 20 minutes. I'll just be kind of popping around to the different tables. Talk about this with your group. Um, what is a disciple? What is discipleship? And um, we'll come together before we move on to the next one and share some of the thoughts you come up with, okay? So go ahead and do that. They went to go make copies on the way back in the day. It's kind of different because the people that followed Jesus back in the day were literally with them. These days, I think it just means first and foremost to follow his teaching, follow his word, and believe in him, obviously. Someone who spreads the word. And I'll check in 10 minutes. If everybody's done in 10 minutes, we'll move on. Okay. Did you do 2 A, B, and C? Well, why don't you guys just let me know as your tables are done. That way we can keep going forward if we don't need to waste time. 
I'm gonna. I'll go make There's a couple more minutes. Did we get something down for C? C is our, our one I got A and B, but I didn't streamline it. <laughs> <laughs> discipleship, would well, that classify as like a group of people, a group of followers? Okay. I think everybody's got it now. All right. Let's come back together here. And just to make sure everybody signed the attendance sheet. Before I can put that away. Okay. You did it? Yeah, we are. 
Just mark your name there. That way we can make a sheet for the class. Okay, so what did your groups come up with? We'll start over here with you guys. Um, what what kind of came out of your discussion of what is the disciple, what is discipleship, where you can just share kind of the summary that you developed? Yeah, so we talked about a disciple being a student or learner of a specific teacher who follows a certain way of life, and then discipleship being like Okay. A constant state of learning about God and His Word was their discipleship summary. A disciple is a student or learner. Say it again. Student or learner of a specific teacher. Of a specific teacher who follows after him, basically, right? Very good. All right. Another table here. What you guys? What'd you get? A believer who follows Christ and spreads His Word. And what about about discipleship? There were two questions in there. The act of being a disciple. The act of being a disciple. <laughs> Thank you, Webster. All right. Um, what about this table here? We used in scripture, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Okay. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and deeds. Okay, so a disciple, a disciple spurs one other disciples. Okay. The end does not lord it over each other, but we just we embrace it. We spur one another on. Okay, so spurring one disciple, someone who spurs other other disciples on and not lord over them. What about discipleship? Someone keeps growing in the Lord. Okay. All right. Learning and growing. Learning and growing. Okay. What about this table here? What did you guys come up with? So we got a disciple is a follower of Jesus or a student a learner. And discipleship is the acts of following God's teaching and going out and spreading His word. And sometimes that could be done in a group. You know what I mean? So okay. Believe. Very good. All right. And last but certainly not least, so this table here. Can we sum it? Huh? Can we sum it up? Yeah, just sum it up. Okay, one who seeks to know and follow the Lord in fellowship with other believers. That's good. All right. Very good. Um, and I noticed as, as I was kind of hovering around and listening to your conversations, um, there was questions like, well, what's the difference between a disciple and apostle, disciple and evangelist, and all those kinds of things, because they're not hard and fast lines between those groups. Because uh, obviously we consider the 12 disciples to also be apostles, right? Um, an apostle just means someone who's called so, uh, or, and sent. So a disciple who's an apostle is one who has a specific calling from God. So I'm not really considered to be an apostle because I don't have a special calling from God. I occupy an office um, that has been established. Right? Um, same with most of us in our vocations. So the apostles are kind of a more specific category of disciple. An evangelist is, I think that's one of the terms that causes some confusion because it's used interchangeably with disciple in our culture. Um, I think it more refers to an activity of the disciple than a category of person in and of itself. So that's why in our church, you don't have somebody who's just called an evangelist. Right? There's no office or calling to be an evangelist because we believe that's part of being a disciple as, as your uh, definition right now. So, um, But I wanted to do that exercise because I think it's good for us when we're going into something and we want to figure out how we're supposed to be disciples to know precisely what that means, especially being people whose terms and ideas are defined by God and his word. Right? So that's what we're going to go to next. We're going to start, uh, so your same groups are going to be doing a discussion again. And we're going to be looking at what the Greek word for disciple is. I've got it there on your sheet. Uh, that's mathetes. And that means a learner or a pupil. So a lot of you got that right in your definition, that a disciple is a someone who learns. I don't know if that's because you looked down the sheet or you really knew that, but either way, now you know um, that it's a learner or a pupil. So I want you guys in your groups to read those Bible passages I have there um, for Matthew and Mark. And just take special note for the nature of the way the word disciple is used. So... I'll give you a few minutes to do that, so read those scriptures amongst your groups. Oh, yeah, 
It is enough for the student to be like his teacher, the servant like his master. The head of the house has been called, as well as how much more the members of this household. So in your translation where it says student is disciple. Yeah, it's not like, you know, oh, you're in charge, you know, how much you want to be called to us. I just want to go home. Then calling the crowd to join the disciple, he says, what do you want? So there's an exclusive. John's disciples, yeah, the pastor of fasting, and calling the crowd to the disciples, and the disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him cost my cycle to get the whole book of God. This is not a passing thing, you don't just, you know, clock in, clock out. It's like they just 24 7, 365. Matthew 16 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, lose sight of, and forget himself in his own interest, and take up his cross and follow me. And follow me. Yeah, it's different. Your masters, if anyone would come after me, let him take up the cross. What is it, 218? Okay. So I think most of you out here have gotten through the readings. So what were some of the things, just kind of uh, raise your hand and, um, and share with the group, what are some of the things that are Jesus himself is describing as uh, those who are going to be his disciples? What are some of the attributes he gives? Yeah, Someone that dies to their old life and gains this new one in Christ. Okay, so you're, you're a disciple is, is not just someone who's following Jesus to learn, but... Your old way of life is no more, and you're now following a new way of life in Christ. Right? That's the, if anyone desires to follow me, they must bear the cross. They must die to their old life. Very good. What else was said in there? The student is not above the teacher. Um, so just like that, um, the servant is not greater than the master, but it's good to if you can just follow in that. Footsteps, but you're not going to be greater. Right, so the, the, the disciple is not greater than his master um, or his teacher. That is being used there in a couple of ways. One is uh, who gets to set the terms of truth and good and beauty and all those sorts of things. It's not the disciple, but the teacher, right? The authority is coming from the teacher, uh, which in this case is Jesus. So as our gospel reading highlighted, he teaches based on his own authority as being God, right? We don't have that, so when we're finding out who we're going to be as disciples, we got to go to his authority, right? Uh, and the second thing is, uh, if you read on there, he says that if, if the, they treat the master this way, you shouldn't expect to be treated any differently, right? And which, uh, which is a reference to the fact that the world does not know Jesus. They reject Jesus and persecute him. So it will be for you when you follow me. Right? Now that doesn't mean that as disciples we're going to go out and lean with our chin and just try and pick fights and make problems. But that if we're following on the way of Jesus, we will come in conflict with the world. Right? Um, and some of those statements should get us to reflect on the idea that, like, well, if I'm not in conflict with the world in any way, maybe I need to look at what way I'm on. And again, not looking for a fight, but the Bible's pretty clear that it's going to come, right, for those who follow Christ. Okay, what else? The 
Yeah, you probably wondered why we read the Mark 2.18 verse. That one was a little strange. I'll read it out loud for you again. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, to Jesus, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Why do you think I had you read that one? Well, it shows the relationship between the teacher and the students. John was preaching... Uh, uh, repentance. Yeah. So fasting would sort of go hand in hand with that. Jesus was preaching the good news and celebration would seem to go hand in hand with that. And not only that, but it is the person himself that makes the difference, not just the teaching, right? So he goes, the next verse he says, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Right? And so a disciple of Christ is in a very real way, your reality is now defined by the person of Christ himself. Right? Not just the things he says, but who he is. Right? So this morning before the service, I mentioned that the source of our joy is outside of ourselves. This is where it is. It is in the person of Jesus. Right? Which is why we go back to the scriptures, because we need to know what he has to say, what difference he's making, and what he's doing. Right? And so the disciple is, is always kind of oriented towards its, their master, right? And it's a little bit reflective of you denying yourself and following him, but I think that was more of a poignant um, difference between a regular disciple-teacher relationship, right? John and his disciples and the Pharisees, but it's different with Jesus. Uh, because, right, right, they're not Jesus, right? Yeah, very good. Okay. Now let's do the next section. So I'm going to have you guys read this in your groups as well. So we're answering the question, how is a disciple made? So you're going to read in your groups Matthew's, Matthew chapter 3, 18 to 22, and then 28, 16 to 20. Pastor, can I make a suggestion that we yeah. read big as a group? Because it's like there's so much side going on that we're not really hearing correctly. Oh, I was, like, well, so one of, the, one of the feedbacks we got on the survey is you didn't want me just standing here talking the whole time. No, no. So. no. I was trying to give a... Let's do the reading, and then we can... Yeah, and we can okay, all right, that's fine. Is everybody okay with that? Have one person do the reading for everybody, and then and then do the discussion individually? That's fine. We were looking, and there's no Matthew 318. Yeah, I was looking, too. I don't think I'm It goes to 17. Right. Oh. Just make something up. Must be a tough. <laughs> You guys don't have that one in your version? <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, somebody read the Matthew 28, and I'll try and figure out what I was uh, trying to do there. I got it. Oh, yeah. We read it for the whole group? Yeah. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. All right, thank you. Well, I still am not sure what I was going with for that one. So just go ahead and start your discussion of how is a disciple made based on 28 there? And if I find what I was referencing, I will read it for you. Okay, I found it. It was Matthew chapter 4. Sorry about that. I'll read it for you. <coughs> While talking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. What did you guys come up with? What are the? How is a disciple made, and what are the two key components of making disciples? We're being called, one of them, being chosen yep. by God. So, a disciple is someone who is called by God. Uh, in the case of the Matthew four reading, it wasn't like Peter and Andrew decided and came to some epiphany and found Jesus. He found them, and what did he say to them? Follow me. What did they do? They followed him, right? In a sort of shocking fashion. Specifically mentioning that the second set of brothers just left their dad there in the boat. Right? Um, now, if you've seen The Chosen, they try to soften that weirdness by, by like mentioning that the relatives are like, oh, this is the Messiah, they're all on board. That's kind of reading into the text. We don't know if that's the case. It's more, I think, there's the sense of just suddenness, right? Immediately they left and followed Jesus. That's what we believe the Holy Spirit does when He calls us as disciples. It's not a, uh, it's not the sort of, um, I'll get there when I get there kind of thing, right? Now, we're not Jesus, so I don't go around telling people that I don't know. Follow me, and they come, right? <laughs> so we skip forward to Matthew twenty-eight. What are the two key components of making disciples? Going. Baptizing. That's one. There's one more after baptizing. Teaching. 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 Baptizing and teaching. Now, baptizing for the church, because we're not Jesus, he gives us baptism because that is where he calls them. Right? He calls them his own. So that's the work of God through water and the word. So baptism call and confirmation is kind of like the teaching. Is that yeah. relate like that? Yeah. That's, a, that's the basis of that setup, right? Confirmation is uh, sort of, we made it into a formal system, but it's in the spirit of teaching them all that I have commanded you. Teaching and learning, it never ends. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yep, very good. Right? So, again, we get the emphasis that Jesus is specially Jesus, and he gives the church a way to be a part of his mission. Right? So, just like... Um, there's many other things where Jesus, he's Jesus, he can do whatever he wants, right? He's got his own authority, the highest authority. 
But he's given the church specific instructions on how to be a part of his job of making disciples, right? Now that should be comforting for us for a couple reasons. One is he's promised that he's with us, right, in that Matthew 20 text. You're not doing it by yourself. But two, you are not responsible for the creation of new disciples. So let me say that again. You are not responsible for the creation of new disciples. That is a work of God, just like it was for the the twelve, the original twelve. And then we are now grafted into that plan and used for the purpose of God. The discomfort, though, is that we are called to go and to teach. That we can't be on the perpetual, (coughs) comfortable learning end because yes. it's really nice to sit here and have you teach us. <laughs> but that we're actually supposed to leave here when you're done and go and do likewise. Why? Because he said so. Not just because he said so. <laughs> it is now your new joy. Oh, there we go. Right? It's your new joy. Because what you have now been made privy to when you were made a disciple is a new reality that's being born into the universe through Jesus. Right? He's described as the first fruits. Right? of this new creation. The world out there thinks that God either doesn't exist or stands in judgment and wrath over their sin. You know better, right? Which brings you a joy, not only for yourself, but a joy in letting other people know about this great news. That's why it's called good news. Right? The good news is, hey, you know what? God doesn't hate you for your sins. In fact, beyond all reason that we can come up with. He loves you and sent his son to die on the cross to save you from your sins. Right. Yeah. Along the lines of what Janine said, there's great comfort and we don't have to know everything before we become his disciple. In fact, the first disciples knew nothing. Almost. And they regularly displayed that as they're going with (laughs) Jesus. Right. As do we. Right. And so, and we're going to get to where you begin to see a real difference in the first disciples because it's also the key to the real difference for us. Right, but that's that's coming next. Um, any other thoughts on those verses? Yeah. Yeah. Besides joy, it brings you peace in your heart. Yes, it brings you peace in your heart. Right. That's so the freedom that was that we talked about in church is a key ingredient to this as well. Right. Because imagine your life now that you're a Christian. Imagine your life being only in the knowledge of either God not existing, and therefore your your existence is sort of a futile exercise that ends in nothing. Or that God is justly angry with you for your sin. And that's all you know. What occasion do you have for any joy or any hope? The best you can hope for is fleeting pleasures, which is why human beings who have no faith in Christ endlessly pursue those things. Okay? And it's, we're now grafted into the task of telling them about this new reality that is being made manifest in Christ. Right? That has defeated the old. Okay, Um, in the world but not of it is a phrase you've probably heard about being a disciple. And one of the painful realities of that is until Jesus returns, you cannot fix that. Right? A lot of what we do in church sometimes is to resolve tensions that are not going to be resolved until Christ returns and the judgments are made and the resurrection of the dead and the beginning of his new kingdom is fully accomplished and made manifest. So as a disciple, you're now living in the tension of being in the world, but not of the world. What does that really mean? So read John, we're going to have somebody read John 17, we're going to read the whole chapter. This is referred to as the high priestly prayer. Um, I'll split that with somebody. Okay. I'll do the first 13 verses. Okay, Bob's going to do the first 13, somebody want to read 14 through the end? Okay, Cooper's got it. Okay. This is where Jesus is praying for himself. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might be given eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth, by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now he's going to be praying for his disciples. I have 
I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they obeyed, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they delivered that you sent me. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may, may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by what name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, so that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Right. So if you're ever having a rough day, read John 17. That's the God of the universe praying for you. Um, some really beautiful things there, highlighting that Christ is the source of this new knowledge, this new relationship, this new life that we have through him. Um, but what are some of the ways he repeats it a couple of times in here? And any time the scriptures repeat something almost verbatim, it's for emphasis. Um, so in verse 16, um, he says, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Right? And he mentions that a little bit before as well. Um, I have given them, this is verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So what does that mean for us as disciples? How are we no longer of this world? Live in this world, but do not be conformed to it, basically. You know, follow God's teachings and not what the world tells you is right and wrong. That's Very good. like opposite. And, and, and we, we find our source for that in Christ. Christ right? um, and he mentions here multiple times that he's revealed what to us? The truth. The truth. And where did he get the truth? From the Father, right? So the Father reveals the truth to us in Jesus. And it is this truth that gives us joy, it gives us peace in our hearts, and it gives us a, and he gives us a mission, right? And that mission, again, is not tied to the first part of this stuff. He doesn't say, well, if you don't go out and do this, you are no longer mine, right? 
but springing forth naturally from this new reality. Right? Now, let's think of that in a different way that I think is helpful, because sometimes that's a little intangible, and we're not really sure. Like, we think, well, what if I'm not naturally joyful, even though I know all the truths of Christ? I think that's one of the reasons that we're called to be in the Word regularly, because our flesh and the world want to draw us away from that, and they're very good at enticing us. Right? Um, and so... Uh, Think of something that you learn that changes your reality, right? Um, so uh, <clears throat> to use an example would be, um, let's say, for whatever reason, it's the Super Bowl Sunday and the Steelers are in the Super Bowl. But there's a power outage where you live and you can't access the Internet or any information the whole day. And you, you find out the next morning that they won. Why are you happy? Because you found out or because the thing itself actually happened? It's because the thing itself actually happened. Right? And so when we go out as disciples, regardless of the topics that we're going to cover in this class, that's our goal is to tell them about the reality of the thing that happened in Jesus. Right? That's the source of our joy. which It naturally guards us from making it about us or the things that we do. This is one of the struggles of American Christianity. And it's partially because our culture has such an emphasis on the individual that the disciples' work becomes about the things we do. We have a part to play, for sure. God has called us to that part. But it's not about us. Our salvation is not about our performance as disciples, nor is their joy found in us but in the thing that we bear witness to, which is the event itself, right? And so if that helps you imagine that image, right? That whatever joy you would feel if you found out the next day that the, the Steelers won the Super Bowl, your joy in Jesus is that much more because you know about what he did, right? And your job as a disciple, basically, and we'll get into the details of how that works as, as we go through the class, but your job as a disciple basically is to tell people that thing happened. Right? And now everything is different because of it. Okay. So that's how, I think that's the, the key to making sure that, as you said, right, that we are in the world but we're no longer formed by it. We're formed by this new reality in Jesus. And he mentions this in here, right? He says, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Right? So Jesus is praying for us on our behalf to do exactly that. To be in the world and maintain our form in the form of Christ. Right? Into this new reality that we're bearing witness to in the world. Right? And as I mentioned in the sermon today, right, that was what really hit me in this podcast I was listening to. When they asked about, well, why do you think people were happy when when the first apostles told them about Jesus. And I think unconsciously we think it's because now they get to live like Jesus, but that's not what made them happy. What made them happy was that Jesus did the thing he did, and it changed everything forever. Right? Uh, yeah, I just, uh, more specifically with C2 here, the question, why yep. are we in the world? Yep. I was just looking at this chapter. So it looks like verse 23 is, seems like a succinct answer. So, number one, he says, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Now, there's a lot of this unity, this oneness discussed in the chapter, but, you know, this is like, hey, he wants us as a church to be unified, right? Um, and, all, and then he continues, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Right. So I take that to be, you know, that we're out to share, you know, the evangelism aspect of... Right. We're so that the world knows of this new reality in Christ, which is, as he describes, right, that, um, that you sent me, as you sent me, and have loved them even as you loved me. Right? That's, the, that's the thing. I'm sorry. sound effects over there. I don't know how to work my It's a special Okay, can I get somebody to read... Um, we got a few minutes left here. So I had somebody read John 15, verse 16, and then Acts 1, verse 8. 
Do you need you need a hand over there? I got John. Okay, go ahead. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Okay. And Acts 1 verse 8. Somebody got that one? I have it. Okay. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right. So, is being a disciple God's work or my work? It's God's work, right? And that's really, I think, a key question and answer to keep in mind as we go through these different topics in this Bible study. Because the temptation we will always have is to make the work ours. Have you ever, whenever the, the, uh, this, the passage comes up about the yoke of Jesus being light, and you read that and you think, doesn't really feel like my Christian life is light. If you're thinking that way, that means you've taken on the work that belongs to God. By definition, you can't do it, and it's miserable. Right? So I shared with the leaders yesterday that one of the ways that manifests in the life of a pastor, and has manifested in my life, is I start to think that it's my job to tell you what to do. That isn't my job. Right? My job is to tell you about Jesus. He's the one that gives you instructions on what to do. He can actually do that. I can't. And so if my job for me becomes telling you what to do, I'm going to be frustrated, I'm going to be angry, and I'll probably give up eventually because it's a useless endeavor because I can't do it. It's not my job. right? I know it's not our work, but I think there's work. To be a learner involves some level of discipline, which is the same word, basically, as disciple. You know, you've got to... Read. You've got to sit under somebody who knows what they're talking about. You've got there's there's work. Yeah. You've got to go and baptize apparently yeah. because that's the whole you know Matthew twenty eight thing. Sure. But is, is that the bare fruit in the passage we just read? Yeah. So yeah. That's that's the work that we're to do is to yeah. take the talents we have and yeah. bear right. Fruit. Now, none of those things are found in us, right? Because. If we, if we just have us, we do none of those things. Right? And so that doesn't mean in the sanctified life in your new reality, right? You've been sanctified in the truth. Your word is true, right? What that means is that you're now a, a new sort of creature that is inhabited by God himself through the Holy Spirit. That's where you, got, you finally see the difference between Peter and every other person is in Acts at Pentecost. Because before that... He's afraid of people in the courtyard, and he denies even knowing Jesus. That's us. Us does no discipleship. Us is afraid to even be associated with Jesus. But he's merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love, and so he brings us to new life himself and enables us to do those things in faith. Right? And that's what I'm getting at here is the origin of this whole work and the abilities that you have to participate in it are not your own. They come from God. Right? And it's, a, I think, an important part to understand because if the beginning of your new life is not solely a work from God, just like it was when you were born physically, you didn't get to, you weren't sitting in a room saying, all right, I think this should be my mom and my dad. I want to be born in this time and not this time. Right? It's something that happened to you. If it doesn't start with an act of gracious creation born out of the love of God, then eventually it will become your work rather than his. Right? Now, it doesn't mean you don't have a part in it. You do. But now in Christ, you've been given all the skills and abilities that you need in order to participate as he asks you to do so. Right? But it also protects you from the danger of thinking that not only is my salvation dependent on how well I do this, but also that I'm responsible for the creation of faith in another person. You're not. You can't. You'll be miserable if you try. Right? That is given to God. Right? And you're, you play your part. It's a humble part. And it takes on different forms. And sometimes you may not even know that you did anything. But it's God's work that's being done. Yeah. That's what I was, I was going to say. Is I, you know, I often pray for God to reveal His will to me. You know, Because I know like, if you're actively seeking it, and you're praying for it, it's, it's going to happen. And then there are moments in my life, not 
not maybe a whole lot, but where I've said something or did something that wasn't made necessarily with my character. You know, it just, yeah. it just naturally happened in the in the. It wasn't forced. It wasn't hard. It just like flows. Yeah. I'm sure every person in here has felt that at a different yeah. point in their life, and I think that's that's really when God's taking control and doing doing His work. Right? Yep, that's right. That's good. And and one of the things that we've kind of noticed in the scripture passages, uh, from a very human perspective, you could say, "Be careful what you're signing up for," right? Because when when Jesus says, "Follow me," He's not just saying on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and a little bit of Thursdays. It's the whole thing, right? Um, Lewis expresses that as, he doesn't just want a part of you, he came to kill you and make you alive, right? Um, and so when you're, I think that's maybe a good way to approach this if you're worried about being too complacent, being too comfortable in the promise that it's God's work and not mine, versus taking too much of it on yourself, is to pray specifically for that. But realize that when you do that, God's going to bring things to you, not necessarily the way you wanted them to be brought to you, but they will be there. But he's with you, and he's given you everything you need in order to serve him in those situations. Right Now, we believe in, in the Lutheran Church that those largely happen in vocations. That's why you're given the calls in your life that you're given as father, mother, husband, wife, workers, neighbors, etc., um, and like our uh, sermon meditation today on Paul in 1 Corinthians, he was talking about your vocation as a brother or sister in Christ and the way that you're manifesting Christ when you're doing those things, right? But uh, there are also times, and these are probably the ones you remember the most, where a situation arises that isn't part of your regular vocations and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, okay, it's me, right? It's my turn. He's asked me to do this. Um, so I think the prayer is a good way to approach that, but just be forewarned that it may not be on the terms that you're hoping for. All right, so we don't have time to do the last question, so we'll pick that up next week. And next week we'll get into the first topic that uh, we're going to be covering specifically on discipleship. So uh, let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Have a great week. Thank you.